name we say, amen. chapter number three and verse number 19. I want to welcome those that are streaming and those that are uh, watching by way of recording. We thank you. Thank God for your presence here with us uh, this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter number three, <clears throat> verse number 19. The scripture says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out and it says, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. When the times, plural, of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And we've been ministering from this subject, a time of rest for the last couple of weeks. Well, Lord have mercy. These last two weeks, but I actually count uh, the latter part of December as well. <laughs> Amen. But we've been ministering from the subject, a time of rest, because I believe that for this church, this year will be a year of rest. And the scripture says, for times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, we also have indicated to you before that this first area of rest, of course, is this area of being born again. This first area in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laboring, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. That word soul there comes from a Greek word, suke, which literally means your psyche, if you will, or it means your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so the first area of rest that happens in our life comes about when you come to the Lord to get born again. But as we see, and I've indicated to you before in Acts chapter 3, it does not say a time of refreshing, but it says times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, which indicates to us that there are multiple times in our lives when God just calls us aside to refresh us. It's taking our, he calls us aside so that we can take an ease, if you will. He calls us aside from his presence and says, all right, I need you to get to a position in which you are resting in me. Now, I'm saying it this way on purpose because there are two folds that we can look at this area of rest. And I've been focusing largely on the latter part, which is the area of rest where we're talking about confidence. But I felt like the Spirit of God was saying, don't overlook the fact that rest does actually mean natural rest as well. Because there are times in our life that, you know, God will set you, set you aside that he says, I just want you to rest. And for people that are not lazy, people that are actually, they're, they're involved in the things of God, involved in what God's calling them to do. You know, one of the things that, that happens in our life when God says, I need you to rest, it becomes difficult for us. 
God says, I need you to take some time off because I just need you to rest. Well, Lord, do you want me to take some time off to have a prayer meeting? No, no, no. I need you to rest. Well, Lord, do you want me to take some time off so I can? No, I just need you to rest. People that have a, a natural predisp predisposition, if you will, towards work, rest can be one of the hardest challenges that God will call you to. Go sit down somewhere. <laughs> you, just, you, need, you need this time. One of the issues that we see historically in the Bible where it talks about Elijah, Elijah had this massive meeting. He called the nation to judgment, bless God. The fire of God fell down. Man, they were saying, Elijah, Elijah, what a man of God. And next thing we know is we find him wanting to commit suicide days later. Why? Because he did not know he needed to rest. You just can't keep going and going and going and going. There are times in our life where God says, I just need you to rest. And we've got to become comfortable with the seasons where God says, it's just a time to refresh. Now, having said that, let's look back at this latter part in regards to this area of rest. We have said biblical rest, as we are looking at it, literally means a place of firm trust in God. It is a place of confidence. The word confidence, as we indicated to you before, means assurance or belief in goodwill. It means firmly trusting or bold. It means I have full uh, trust or reliance. And so this year, yes, will be a time where God will call us aside to naturally rest. But I believe holistically, God is saying this is a year where he's saying, I need you to move to an area of confidence. I need you to move to an area of firm trust. I need you to move to an area of boldness, if you will. Boldness and trust or confidence in your position in Christ Jesus. This is a time where we got to start setting aside this whole I am a I am saved or what is it? Uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I heard uh, someone say uh, to me uh, in my office the other day, uh, he said, I'm a sinner. You know, we all sinner saved by grace. And I didn't have time to deal with that theology with him. But I want to say, well, speak for yourself, brother. <laughs> I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. By his grace, he has now called me, he calls me son, and I can look at him as my Abba Father. I used to be, you talking about the old man, yeah, I used to be a sinner, but I'm saved by grace, which means I cannot occupy the same place at the same time. You're either a sinner or you're saved by grace. You can't be the same. Okay? So first area, my confidence has to be in my position in Christ Jesus, believing what God says you are. The second area of our confidence has to be in this place of his provision. The word provision literally means his foresight, his, his, um, his prudence that something is provided to the supply or the necessary things that we need to be confident this year, we need to move into an area of confidence that God will supply all of my needs. You say, but Reverend, you see what's going on? I see what's going on. That's why he says that for the believer, those that have been called righteous, we should be walking by faith. So having confidence that, yeah, even though my might be manifesting lack, he says I am abundantly supplied. And I need to agree and let my mouth agree with what he said over what I see. 
This year needs to be a year of moving into confidence of firm trust, which is believing in the fact that God says, I will take care of you or I'll protect you. Knowing and understanding that God is your shield, your refuge, believing God is or he is your defender. Confidence, believing that God will take care of me. One of the issues where believers have is an area of a lack of confidence where protection is concerned. A lot of it is rooted in the fact you don't know whether or not you're in the will of God. When you don't know you're in the will of God, then you have questions as to whether or not God will supply you. You have questions as to whether or not God will protect you because you ain't sure yet. And we got to get to a place where we like, yeah, yeah, I want to be where God placed me and where, I, where he places me. He'll supply me here and then he'll protect me here. And that's part of the reason why we've been talking in uh, the midweek and we'll continue to do so on Sunday as of next week, been talking about the different areas of prayer, is because of the fact we need to understand the relationship that you have with God is vital for you to have confidence in the God that you say you serve. And so that's rooted in this relationship that's built out of prayer. That I can hear God where he says, all right, I don't want you to take your children to school today. And you say, well, Lord, I don't, what's going on? She has a test. Lord said, hold up. And then you hear later on there was something going on at the school. We can't override what the Holy Ghost is saying because we have an obligation. When the Holy Ghost says, all right, wait, look, 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 look. I need to have an interruption in your schedule. We need to be sensitive enough to hear God. But that comes about from our relationship with God. 2023, I believe, will be a year of rest or confidence in believing. Now, Having said that, praise the Lord. Let's look over here at Hebrews chapter 3. <clears throat> there's some of this that I want to touch <clears throat> again, and there's some areas, and I apologize to my sister in the back, because there's some areas we're going to skip right to for the sake of time as well. Praise the Lord. Hebrews, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 3. Man, I just want to read the whole Bible. It's one of them Sundays, amen. Hebrews chapter number three. <clears throat> Let's drop back if you will. Hey, good morning. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter three. Let's look at verse number 12. The scripture says, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Translation says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, unbelieving turning away or turning you away from the living God. He says, make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God, indicating to us that when you turn away from the living God, you are moving to an area where your heart is becoming evil and unbelieving. What happens when we turn away from the living God? What happens when we move to this area where we don't believe anymore? Verse 13, watch this. You must warn each, or he says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Verse 14, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, just as firmly as when we first believed, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. Now, the scripture is indicating to us here in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, it's making really a, 
an analogy with the children of Israel in the wilderness and pointing back to the fact that Christ is greater than that. And so what he's doing methodically is he's explaining to us how what took place in, in, in with the children of Israel in the wilderness is a type and picture of what happens in our lives. There's a lot in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 that I really could talk about and, 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 and expose theologically, but for my assignment this morning, I got to kind of get where I got to get. Amen. Let's look at chapter 4 really quick. It says, verse number 1, it says, let us therefore, I'm flipping back over to the King James, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left to us, being, he says, left to us of entering into his rest of, he says, any of you should seem to come short of it. Verse number two, he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word does not profit you when it is not mixed with faith. He's saying essentially that even with Israel, the word did not profit them when it was not mixed with faith. Now, let's move on. Verse number nine. I know I'm speeding. Verse number nine says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There remaineth a rest therefore or to the people of God. The New Living Translation says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. And the Amplified Version of the Bible says, so there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. But he tells us as we back up that when you do not mix faith in what you hear, then even though a rest may be remaining for you, you will not enter into it because you don't mix faith with what you heard. He says, verse 2, not being or not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. When a promise of God is indicated in the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't mix faith with what you heard, it doesn't benefit you. I've been ministering for the last little while here on rest, and I'm telling you, if you don't mix faith with what you are hearing, it's not going to benefit you, even though, as the scripture, there remain a rest for the people of God. This year, there is a place where God wants us all to get to a position of confidence that we rest in the fact that what he said is true in our lives, but it will require that you mix faith with what you are, in fact, hearing. Let's keep going. Verse number 10, he says, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And we looked at that, of course, for the last couple of weeks as well. He says, for in order for you to enter into the rest that God says that he wants you to enter into, that means you have to cease from your own works. The New Living Translation says, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating. Now notice this really quick for the, for the sake of, uh, of what we're talking about. Verse 10 out of the Amplified says, for the ones who has come or has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and the pains of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Now, what are we indicating to you? 
if you are going to rest this year, which means get to this position of confidence, that means I am going to have to separate from figuring everything out for myself. I've got to get to the point where I'm like, no, I really do have a God that I'm going to trust. I really have a God that I'm going to, I'm going to rest in who he says he is and who he says that I am instead of me doing all of the stuff that everybody else does to accomplish success within life. Rest does not mean, though, absence of challenges. Rest doesn't mean absence of movement. Rest does not mean do nothing. Rest does, however, means it means rested from your labors, human labors or human efforts in order to make it happen for you. Human labors is rooted in this word self-effort, which is the attempt to become righteous by your own works. You know, this again, this is one of the problems that we have as believers. We think that the works make us righteous when in reality you receive your righteousness by faith and you work from righteousness not to be righteous. Self-reliance has to do with a dependency on one's own efforts and abilities. Self-reliance has to do with, it it is connected to this word autonomy, self-sufficiency. Self-direction, it is this word independence. There are too many independent Christians on the planet. You doing what you want to do. It don't matter what the Lord told you to do. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm involved where I want to be involved with. What did God say about that? Yeah, 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 Reverend, that's nice. I want to do this, so this is what I'm doing. What did God speak to you? And then did you do the corresponding things? What did God say that you need to be involved with? And did you do what he told you to do? That might be one of the reasons why God stopped talking to us. Because a lot of times God will say, I need you to do this. And you don't do it. And you're like, God, what happened? My prayer life doesn't seem to be alive. It's because you ain't doing what he last told you to do. Self-reliance is where we are usually are as humans because we're relying upon our abilities, what we can do, what we can figure out. And God says this year is a year we're supposed to move from that to a position of dependency on him. This word self-reliance therefore needs to be flipped into an area of submission. You become one under authority when you become a person that is submitted. What does the word submission mean? It is the act or the fact of accepting or yielding, accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another. The act or the fact of accepting or yielding. I yield to what God wants and not what I want to do. Well, when I yield, then that's what am I doing? I am resting from my own labors to make it happen, and I'm resting in his ability on my ability to make it happen. I'm resting in his goodness, I'm resting in his mercy, but I'm resting in the fact I know what I know, he knows what he knows, and when he tells me what he knows, then I'll be good. Well, let me say it later. There are times in my life where I'm like, God, where are we going? What's happening? And the Lord doesn't always say, son, this is what's going to happen. This is going to come next. This is how everything's going to fit together. There's sometimes I wish he would. I'm like, Lord, we've been doing all of these things, God. 
We've been faithful. What's next? And the Lord doesn't say anything. What's going on here? I need to be comfortable in this position of knowing what I know and what I don't know, as long as he knows it, I'm good. This is what it means to rest. Because there is no such thing as walking by faith and not having some questions. God, how, what, how is this? He said, just trust me. Trust my promise. Believe my word. But Lord, don't you see? Yeah, I see all of that. Do you see what I said? This is what the issue was with the children of Israel. As soon as they came into an issue in the wilderness, they kept complaining to Moses and Moses, what in the world? <laughs> what's going on? And Moses is like, wait, what's wrong with you people? Red Sea, fire by night, cloud by day, being fed by mammon, and yet you still don't believe? This is what chapter three and chapter four is about. Have you not gotten to a position of confidence that the same God that took care of you then will take care of you now? The same God that looked out for you then will look out for you now. And when you say, yeah, 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 Reverend, that's good, but I'm choosing to believe what I see over what he says, that is an area of unbelief. And he says this year, we have got to eliminate these areas of unbelief that's in your life. That yeah, I can fully give myself to the will of God. Submission is yielding. It is rest is yielding to surrender or relinquish control. Now I used this example in the past and I'll use it again this morning. The word GPS literally means global positioning system. Global positioning system. How many understand that God is the perfect globally positioning uh, uh, God in our life? When you look at the word GPS, when we think about it, <clears throat> most of us today have one in our car or we have one on our phone. But it is our car, it is our phone. You can put your directions inside of that GPS as to the direction or the vision that you have, that you believe that you're supposed to be at a certain location. And then what begins to happen is now directions are given to you for the course of actions you're supposed to be taking. Go this way. This is the map. This is, these are the obstructions that are showing up. These are the things that are, that, that are, this is the traffic jams that are on this side. These are the potholes. These are these things that are taking place. And yet it tells you all of these things kind of up front or as you take the journey. Have you ever noticed that a GPS really doesn't respond well if you're just sitting still? Now, if you're just sitting outside in the parking lot, you put in the address, the GPS really doesn't tell you a whole lot because you ain't moving. And unfortunately, that's the case for a lot of believers. You're asking God, what's the next step? And you haven't taken the first step yet. You're sitting in the same spot, but you want further directions. Once again, God gives you directions on a need-to-know basis. Take the first step, and then he'll tell you what's coming up, what you need to watch out for, just like your GPS system. And so what happens is when your GPS, when you start making those directions, it tells you all of the things that are taking place that you need to avoid. It tells you the best or correct route to take. But you ever notice that when the GPS that you are, or you put in that GPS, a direction for something that you are used to or something that you know, most of the time we kind of listen to it, but we listen to it as a side thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay, I, but I know this road. I don't, you know, that might not be right. But one thing I've noticed when we used to travel a lot, 
is that when you take that GPS and you are somewhere outside of an area that you are familiar with, all of a sudden that GPS becomes vitally important. You got to listen to everything. No, 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 no. Can't hear no music right now because I got to listen to what this GPS is telling me. See, the issue that we are having, a lot of us as the body of Christ, is that we are listening to the GPS in familiar territories. And God says, I want to put you outside of your familiar so that you are in a position where you got to listen to every direction, everything that I'm telling you, because that's the place I'm calling you to. Stop going to the same place, doing the same thing. I'm calling you further than what you have been to this point. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's look at this really quick. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. I want to show you this out of the New International Version of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. Check this out. The scripture says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Notice the first part. Every word of God is flawless. When I talk about this GPS analogy, a lot of times we argue with it because of the fact we might know something. But God is not our GPS. God is God Almighty. He knows the beginning from the end. Every word that comes from God is flawless. And he says he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. What does that sound like to you? I can rest in him, his direction. He will protect me because every word that he gives us is flawless. Watch this, verse number six. It says, do not add to his words. Or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. The message literally says, the believer replied, every promise of God proves true. He protects everyone who runs to him for help. So don't second guess him. He might take you to task and show up or show or uh, and show up your lies. Don't add to it. The first area we need to understand about rest is that rest means submission, submitting to the will of God. But the second area we need to understand is rest means I need to stand on the promise of God and don't add to it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Don't add to what God told you to do. This is one of the issues that a lot of Christians have as well. Now, I'm doing what the Lord said, and then you keep adding little stuff to it. Now, he didn't tell you to do all that. What did he tell you to do? Stick with that. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Well, Lord, do it take all that? For you, it does. He says, do not add to his words. Standing on the promises of God does require that we do so without adding or subtracting. Rest means, it doesn't mean, once again, as we said before, the absence of challenges. It doesn't mean the absence of a fight. What it does mean, having done all to stand, stand. You say, well, I've been standing for the last couple months, Lord Jesus. Then, then what begins to happen, God says, stand. And you say, well, I've been standing this long. I better add something to it. God says, I ain't tell you add nothing to it. Keep doing the last thing I told you to do. Don't dilute it with unbelief or doubt. That's what we do because we've been standing. You're standing on the word of God and you don't see anything physically changing. And the natural thing is, well, I got to do something to change this because this is not working. God says, no, 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 it's working. The word is working. It's always alive. 
It is always active. What we need to do is stand on the promise and stay right there. And when he says stand on the promise and stay right there, what does that mean? Stay in victory. But I feel defeated. He says, all right, yeah, I get that you feel defeated. But that's why it's called faith. I might not see anything changing in the natural. But my faith says what he said, his word is flawless. I'm going to stand in that secret place in victory and I'm going to see things change. I'm not going to add to what he said. I'm not going to subtract from what he said. Are y'all with me? Let's look once again, one, one more time. Look over here at uh, <clears throat> Psalms 95. Psalms 95. <clears throat> verse number 6. Psalms 95, verse number 6. I'm going to read this out of the uh, New Living Translation. Psalms 95 in verse number 6. The scripture says, Come, let us worship. And bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Verse 7 says, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over. The flock under his care. Notice he says, if only you would listen to his voice today. Drop down to verse number 11 because Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter number 4 is literally referencing this passage of scripture. It says, so in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter into my rest. And he's referencing this area where these people harden their hearts against the voice of God. You know, when things are not happening, we have to be careful not to harden ourselves against the voice of God. Lord, I keep saying this. Yeah. And the Lord said, yeah, I know you see it. I want you to trust me. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to trust you no more. What are you getting into? An area of hardening your heart. You are no longer in a pliable position to be a sheep. He says, verse number seven, he says, he is our God and we are his people. He watches over the flock under his care. But he says, if only you would listen to his voice. My listening to the voice of God is my indication as to whether or not I am his sheep or whether or not I am a goat in the kingdom. You keep bucking around with everything, against everything God tells you to do. God says, do this. You say, well, Lord, I ain't going to, you know, and you get a little attitude with the Lord. It's a whole problem. When you are one of his sheep, when God says this, I stay here. When God says go there, I do that. When God says goals in my life. Psalms 23, let's look at this really quick. Psalms 23, familiar scripture. We should be all familiar with Psalms 23 if you grew up in church at all. The King James says, the Lord is, notice he says, my shepherd. Now let's stop right there. The last scripture says, we are the people he watches over the flock under his care. He says, David saying by inspiration of the spirit of God, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, when God is your shepherd, notice he says, I shall not want. Now, the, 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 the difference between this particular passage of scripture is that when we flip that thing on his head the other way, if the Lord is not your shepherd, then maybe that's the reason why we are in one. 
He says, when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice this, verse 2. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness. And he says, why, does you do, why do you do these things, God? He says, for his name's sake. When the Lord is your shepherd, the shepherd takes care of his sheep. He says, he restores my soul. He leads me this way. He says, I shall not want. Why? Because God becomes my shepherd. I become a sheep. And now I can rest in his goodness. I can rest in his mercy. I can rest in God's determination. Sounds like to be a sheep of the father means that I am resting in or place or coming to a place in which I am walking in confidence in regards to my God. Notice what the Amplified says. He restores he refreshes and restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness, he says, for his name's sake. You know God's goodness in your life is for his name's sake. When you are submitted to the will of God and you have become one of his sheep, and doing what he told you to do, his goodness and his mercy, the grace and the favor that shows up in your life, it ain't really about you. It's really about God promoting his will, his purposes through your life. God wants to put us in a position where he says, all right, I can shine my glory through you. But that only happens when you are a submitted sheep of his. When the Lord is your shepherd, God says, you ain't going to walk. You don't have to worry about the fact that I'm going to restore your soul. I'm going to lead you in green pastures. He says, when I'm your shepherd, it's not about you. It's for my name's sake. God's going to open up doors in your life and you think it's about you. He says, no, no, it's for my name's sake. That thing that I put on the inside of you, you think it's about you? He says, no, it's for my name's sake. And that's the reason why he's telling us to rest because the thing that he placed in your heart is not about you. It's about his agenda. Therefore, it's for his name's sake. So he says, rest. Why are you worried about this? Why are you worried about this coming to pass? Why are you worried about any of these things? He said, rest in me because when you get my assignment, when you do what I tell you to do, rest in me because it ain't about you. It's for my name's sake. When God is your shepherd, he becomes the restorer of your soul. <clears throat> now, let's look at this and we'll close once again. Things I must know about rest. Things I must know about rest. Number one, you can never rest and keep the care. You can never rest and keep the care. You really have to turn things over to God. Let me, let me say, amen, yes, amen. You really have to turn things over to God. And what does that physically, what does that look like practically? That means when I turn things over to God, I don't always know how it's going to work. Lord, here you go. I trust you. I cast my cares on you. And God says, all right, I got your cares. And then see, what we do is we cast our cares on God. And we expect tomorrow God's going to say, this is going to happen or a door's going to open. All these things are going to take place. What if it doesn't? What we usually do when the door doesn't open immediately, we say, all right, Lord, give me that care back. Get, let me hold that. <laughs> it's taking too long. Let me, let me get that back. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't hear me when I prayed, so I got to handle it. You move from being a sheep to being somebody's relying on yourself. And God says, that's what we got to correct this year. You can never rest and keep the care. 
So when I give my cares to God, I cast my cares on God, I leave them with him. And that's where the fight of faith comes in. What are we going to do tomorrow? Well, I don't know what we're going to do tomorrow. I know that he said he'll supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And since he said that, I believe what he said, and I'm going to continue to rest. Well, another bill shows up. How are we going to pay for that? I don't know, but all I know today, the lights are still on. All I know, we're still doing this. I know that my God is able. And since I know he's able and we're still here today, I'm going to continue to rest. This is where the fight of faith comes in. Things I need to know about rest. Number two, watch this. Faith is our part. Power is God's part. Rest requires that you trust in his promise. Let me say it again. Rest requires trust. When you came in this morning, I noticed nobody checked the chairs before they sat. Nobody looked underneath it to make sure the legs were in their proper place. It wasn't bending the right. Everybody just came in and sat on down. You had confidence in the chair. And so therefore, you rested. Unfortunately, when God looks at our lives and he said, trust me, most of us say, all right, but Lord, let me check all this out first. <laughs> let me check the bottom here. Let me check and see. Let me, I, well, hold on. I will trust you, Lord, just a minute. But let me, let me look at, let me make sure all of these things meet my specification and then I'll trust. God said that's a problem. Our part is faith. Power is God's part. To rest, it requires that we have our trust in its proper place. Watch this, number three. Things I must know about rest. Number three, I can't do God's part and he won't do my part. I can't do God's part and he won't do my part. Trust means a shift from self-reliance to reliance on what you know about God. I can't do, God ain't gonna do your part. Now, this is for everybody that says, well, I'm walking by faith, but you haven't actually done anything. It's like, it's like you're saying, well, I'm believing God for this new job, but you ain't putting no applications out nowhere. God ain't going to do your part, but you can't do his part. I do my part. Do what you know to do and believe God to do his part. That's what it means to rest. That God, I do what you last told me to do. And when I get to that position where I'm like, I don't know what's next, I choose as an act of my will to rest on what I know. Your goodness, your mercy, your directions, your ability to take care of me, and you will do your part because I have done my part, and I'm going to stay in this position of victory until you open up the next position or the next door for me. I have confidence that you're moving because you said you would. 2023, I submit to you, will be a year where God said, I need my people to move to a position of rest. I need you to move to a position of confidence and a position of full trust in what I am telling you to do. Let's pray. Father God, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this new year. God, we bless you for this new season. Lord, we take this time now to repent for unbelief. Lord, too many of us, we've come to you telling you about things that you already know. Coming to you saying, Lord, what in the world, God? 
when you called us to rest. Lord, this year, this year, God, we choose as an act of our will to just rest on you. You are our great shepherd. You care about us. You know where we're going. You know where we came from. You know, God, every area of our life. And so, Lord, we just choose to trust you. God, when we don't know the next part, we trust you. God, when we don't know how this is going to go together, God, we trust you. We choose to rest because we trust, dear God, your heart. Lord, we thank you that those things that you are setting our feet to do is for your name's sake and not ours. And so, Lord, we choose the rest. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, next week, of course, on Thursday as well, we're going to begin integrating these areas of prayer into our Sunday services. Because I believe that the directive that we have is that we got to talk about prayer in this church. Every prayer is not the same. And one of the reasons why Christians don't see the success in prayer and they get tired in prayer is because of the fact they don't understand that every prayer the same. There are some times when we are praying the prayer of agreement, but there are times when we are praying the prayer of commitment. There are times when we are praying in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. We need to understand these various different prayers and how to pray according to the word of God so that we can see success. And so from Thursday into Sunday, we're going to talk about and look at what does it mean to pray? Why is it that, that when God says man ought to pray and never cave in or quit, if you will, why is that important to him? What is prayer? And so that's what we're going to continue to look at on this Thursday. In the meantime, it's giving time. Let's look back once again at uh, Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six. <clears throat> Verse 33. Verse 30. The scripture says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today, which today is, I'm sorry, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you? Notice he says, oh, ye of little faith. Jesus is indicating to us that little faith has to do when you are looking to meet your own needs. I'm only, that's the only thing I'm praying about, Lord, how are we going to take care of our bills? He says, that's little faith. Moving to a place of confidence, we got to get beyond. You know, I rest in the fact that God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I'm using my prayer life for other stuff. Watch that he says, therefore, take no thought saying, and that's exactly how we take thoughts. By opening our mouth and co-signing on that negative thought that's come through our head. We ain't going to make it. And you start going around telling your spouse, we ain't, you know, you know, da, 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 because you're taking the thought by saying it. What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Verse 32, he says, 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, now notice this, he begins 32, he says, all this other stuff, how are we going to meet our needs? Self-reliance. This is what folks that don't know God do. But notice he says, but your heavenly Father knows you need these things. All of these things. So he says, since you know your heavenly father knows you have all of these needs. He says, all right, this is what you need to do. This is my prescription. He says, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek the kingdom, seek his way of doing things. And he says, when you do that, all of these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, he says, therefore, he says, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thoughts for them of itself. Sufficient unto the day is, or the day is, or the day is the evil thereof. I'm used to reading this part in another translation. When I seek ye first the kingdom, when God tells me to sow, He's telling me on purpose. When God says, all right, I'm prompting you to, to give your tithes and your offer. I'm prompting you to sow into the kingdom. It's because he says, I'm showing you, put me first and all the other stuff I'm going to add to you. When you put God first, where your money is concerned, you're saying, God, you are God and not my money. For a lot of folks, they say, God, you are God. But you know, when the money, you got to do that and look now, Lord, we got to do what the money say. God said, there's a problem. The money say this, and you go to God telling him about the money, and God says, all right, who God? That might be the reason why he said no man can serve two masters in verse 24. Either serve God or money. So what is he indicating to you? When we seek first the kingdom and we put God first, do what he tells you to do with the money that he's giving you the power to get, he says, then you put me in position to be God of your life and all this other stuff that you are needing, he says, I'll add to you. I'll put you in the right place at the right time. I'll open up doors for you. I become God of your life. When you say money, you are not my God. God is my God. And every single week, every single month, we have an opportunity to prove to ourselves and before our Heavenly Father, God, you are God of our life and not the money. All right. Thank you for your enthusiasm for that. Three ways you can sow into the training center. One way is by way of our cash app, dollar sign one TTC. Second way is by way of our website, which is www.thetrainingcenter.church.org. And last but definitely not least is by way of the training center P.O. Box. The Training Center P.O. Box 2358 Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. And of course, you can give live and in the house. And we thank God for whatever way the Spirit of God is leading you to sow into this ministry. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that have sown online at this time. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you. That you are the one that, in fact, gives us the power to get wealth. We thank you, Lord, that's cheerful prompt to do it givers that you would indeed open up the windows of heaven pour us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive we thank you lord because we're tithers and givers lord we thank you that we live in abundance for the windows of heaven are open over our lives you've rebuked the devour for our sake you've made all grace abound towards us 
And so, Lord, we thank you that we believe that we are abundantly supplied because you are a good, good father, well able to take care of your children. And so, Lord, we rest in that and we thank you that we believe that we have an abundant harvest on the seeds that we sow. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, unless you need personal prayer or ministry at this time, may you may be dismissed. I want to thank all those that have joined us online this morning. God bless you. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.